Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. We are going to share some of our thoughts and reflections on our conversation with Kelly Nutty. I'll let you start. Yeah. Kelly's a special person. Mm-hmm. Kelly's a special human being. Uh, and that comes out in the discussion yeah, and conversation. Her way, her, yeah. her way that she shares it, her energy in which she tells stories and shares her journey um, and talks about ups and downs. Um, it just came across as authentic and unapologetic. Mm, and that's yeah. something that, yeah. uh, that, that gives me energy mm-hmm. when we have guests like that, mm-hmm. um, when I listen back to it. Um, a, lot, a lot of takeaways for me. Uh, it was a it was a fantastic episode. Yeah, I thought um, she talks about being curious and open and non judgmental mm-hmm. in the way that she lives life and meets people and travels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think that's huge um, to have those skills or traits or characteristics in in how you go about living life. Yeah. I tied a lot back to human-centered design stuff, and that's the work that I do and the work that I lead and that gets me, gives me energy. Um, and that's about um, you know, creating new things, getting groups together to create new, and how do we do that? Um, and the first step there is around empathy and caring for others and caring about others. We talked a little bit about, you know, how do you teach that, yeah. uh, which is interesting. It felt like it's natural and organic for Kelly. And I think that's a gift for her to to see that and to understand that. It's that curiosity. It's that I don't know what it's like to be you. Mm -hmm. I I don't know your perspective, but I really want to find out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought that was some good conversation around that piece. Yeah, she highly, highly values um, contribution. Um, caring about people, um, making opportunities or ways for other people to, or inviting other people to also care about their community. Um, For as much as she talks about travel and the privilege of being able to travel, not everybody can can do that, she she mentions in there. Um, That's not everybody's path, everybody's different. but that for as much as she does for herself, mm-hmm. she also gives back. Yeah. And that is huge. Yeah. Both of those areas can work together. And yeah. it feels like she's found that balance of I'm going to dedicate time to having impact on others. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dedicate time on creating a life that I want to live. Yeah. Um, she talks about being intentional about that and mm-hmm. that she's created it. So you can do both together. You can spend time in each one of those spaces and you don't have to feel guilt or that you're not being productive. You're not living up to what you want to be in both of those spaces. And that was incredibly refreshing for me to hear mm-hmm. and to understand better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she talks about just doing things. At one point I asked her, do you ever doubt making a decision? Yeah. And she's just like, well, I can always change course basically, right? Like this mindset of just do things see what happens um what did it 
that there are many paths. There's mm-hmm. not just one way mm-hmm. to get wherever it is that you're that you're going or trying to go. Yeah. She's done a lot of things in her life. Um, she shared some of those with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about how she makes decisions and how she looks at decisions not working out. Mm-hmm. I think for many people, for me, uh, at least early um, in career and life, it was kind of a fear of failing, a fear of it not working mm-hmm. uh, or it having to be prepared and perfect for me to feel like I have confidence to make that decision and move it forward. She flips that mindset uh, in the conversation that she, that we had um, in the way that she lives her life around it not being uh, a failure if it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. That wasn't that that wasn't just, a mistake. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it, it wasn't the timing wasn't right, yeah. or I learned something, or the path was was not what I thought the path would be. Um, but I'm moving forward in the right direction. So just how she thinks about failure and making decisions, uh, she says it's it wasn't a failure; it was a tryout. I was trying something new. Yes. And the way that she does that and the, the stories and experiences she shares there yeah. uh, really helps me understand how she thinks about that. Yeah, I love how she so she carries a couple of books with her, and mm-hmm. we thought we got into talking about books. And she's so good at describing like the books that she's read and the yeah. books that she's reading. And so, of course, on the on the episode, Eden puts me on the spot. Oh, what books do you <laughs> do you like? And um, and I'm not great at describing. I was not great in that moment of describing books. I wanted to redeem myself. Mm-hmm and share a couple of the books that I talked about there. So I talk about this book, A Book of Dreams by Peter Reich. It's from the perspective of a son. It it is a a true story about his father, who was a Austrian psychologist who came over to the U.S. And it's written from this perspective of a young child just observing his father do this work. Um, and yeah, so I highly recommend it. Uh, we talk about the connection between books and music because this book was inspired or had inspired a Kate Bush song called Cloud Busting, which I also highly recommend. It's an amazing song, an amazing music video that gives you a little bit of insight into his world and into his life. And then the book by Karen Armstrong, The Spiral Staircase, which in the episode, I talk about a scene that stuck with me around gratitude. So we had a little bit of, maybe a little bit of awkward, like interesting conversation around gratitude, which that's what this is about. <laughs> it's like, well, here we go. This is what I started talking about and it, I'm you know, it's going to be vulnerable. It's going to be maybe sometimes awkward, but the book itself is a, is another um, nonfiction. It's a, it's her memoir, her journey of being a nun and then going into academia, learning about, she's a religious studies expert 
and um, has many other books out there, uh, some of which I've read in college, um, Intro to Buddhism. I think she has a book called The oh, History of God. Um, but she writes here from this personal space, The Spiral Staircase, A Climb Out of Darkness, talking about her ups and downs with her own faith. Mm. So highly also recommend that. And I recommend the books that Kelly shares on the episode, and I will be putting those on my list as well. Yeah. Uh, the way that she describes the stories that she reads and why she likes them yeah. is um, something something special as well. Yes. Uh, a talent a talent there. She talks about um, having a cart of books mm -hmm. uh, and a compares co collection. it a collection yeah. uh, on a cart and compares it to uh, her wine cellar yes. uh, that they're they're waiting. Um, they're aging and they're waiting. Um, and um, it's a collection, not an obligation, uh, which is pretty fascinating as well. Yeah. Things yeah. that I want to learn, things that I'm curious about, and when the timing's right, yeah. uh, that, that she'll get to those. And then also, you know, using it as a tool or a technique. So she keeps a couple in her bag, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, um, for, for when she needs um, to get switch mindset mm -hmm. or um, get different energy or she knows that she has those almost as a, a mechanism um, mm -hmm. or a fallback. Um, Inspiration. Yeah. 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 Uh, she talks a little bit about being an introvert too. So yes. a fellow introvert, somebody that loves reading, somebody that's hugely curious uh, and unapologetic about all of that. Mm -hmm. I, I, she likes to travel a lot. Um, she certainly does a lot in social settings, both mm -hmm. for work and for personal, uh, but then also carves out time to, to uh, you know, re-energize, mm -hmm. yeah. um, to, to get some of that back. Uh, and I think learnings and understandings and uh, some alignment there in terms of where I get energy to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in there we we do talk about um, or we reference a a blog post that she'd written. So we'll link the blog mm -hmm. in the in the notes along with the nonprofit space that she works. Um, we'll link those things so that you can check those out. And I think unless you have anything else, I think that's probably a good intro to an amazing human being. Yeah, yeah. enjoy the episode. Uh, let us know what you're reading and what you're thinking about and maybe some application to that as well in the yeah. comments as we post this. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks all. Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Today we have our guest Kelly Nutty with us today, a fellow human who is going to be speaking yeah. with us about so many different topics. Yeah, I'm excited I'm and excited. nervous and usually yeah. I'm behind the scenes and so here we are. Well, thank you for joining us and being in front of the scenes. Yes. Oh, I like that phrase a lot. Thanks yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I think, well, do you want to start with a question? I'd love to just kind of hear about your journey. And that's a big question. Yeah. That's a big question. 
but, but um, where are you at today? And, and uh, how have you gotten there? Yeah, um, gosh, it is such a big question because I don't, I mean, it all, I think it, I'm, and sometimes I don't know as you've developed this programming, which I love, by the way, I think sometimes it feels almost corny talking about deep subjects in front of other people because you, we all feel big things, but we don't want to like talk about them because mm -hmm. that seems too woo woo or whatever the phrase is, right? So, um, yeah, I guess my journey has been just deciding to do things and just making decisions. And I don't want to say taking big risks and, you know, making the leap because I don't know if that's it. Because I, certain things I've done in my life, I don't think were a leap. I think I just made a decision to mm -hmm. do them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it, because when you say journey to it, it makes you reflect back on when you were younger. Yeah. And so it reminds me when I graduated college in Florida and decided to move to the Washington DC area. You know, I put everything I own on the auto train in my car mm -hmm. um, and moved up there and knew one person that was a friend of my parents and they hadn't spoken in decades. So it was just, okay, I'm doing this now. And I just made a decision to do it. And I knew I could, I could um, go back on my decision if it failed, right? Yeah. I, I knew I could move back. So it didn't seem too daunting, but it seemed now pivotal. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the things that that sometimes makes it so difficult for people to actually take those first steps, to take action, to make mm -hmm. a decision, is that they think, oh, what if something goes wrong? But it's like, yeah. did you ever in the that first decision or that one mm -hmm. decision that you made to take that move or other subsequent moves have a little bit of doubt around it or were you just like nope this is what I'm doing and I know that I want to do it and it's fine if it doesn't work yeah I don't know if there was a lot of doubt okay. because I think one of the positive options was going back yeah. So it yeah. wasn't a failure. It was a tryout. It was, yeah. and and I think a lot of people go to Washington D.C. for a couple years and leave. So I think it's part of the nature. So I'd never expected to stay there twenty years. Mm -hmm. You know, as a, you know, moving there when I was twenty-two through my early forties. Mm -hmm. um, so I never really thought it was there was a bad option. I guess. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Get that yeah. once you can with time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's great. And that's the that's the thing, right? Like cats, cats are like that. They just make a decision. They're like, I'm doing this now. Exactly. <laughs> you know, your cat knew. Yeah, your cat knew that this is what that's all about. Yeah. So I guess I yeah, that's interesting. We yeah, I didn't really have any doubt. I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna try this out and see how it goes. And I mean. The worst case scenario at the time didn't seem like all that bad. If I was, if I probably 
worked out possible scenarios, which I don't remember doing, but I imagine I did. Mm-hmm. Or maybe because I was 22, I was like, whatever, let's do this, right. <laughs> which is more likely. Probably. There's a yeah. kind of an invincibility factor when you're younger. Yeah. Yeah. But I was also smart because I found a place to rent that was a room for rent that was furnished with a couple other girls that was by a metro station because my car was on its last leg. So I, you know, I knew that I was going to have to rely on public transport. So I was thinking things through that, okay, I'm going to set myself up for success Mm -hmm. or if something goes wrong, it's not a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still going to be able to get to work if my car breaks down because I can walk to the metro. Yeah. What was the thing that you were trying? Um, What was the, what was the leap that you took? Oh, that's interesting. I, I grew up in Florida. I grew up in Daytona beach. It was a super fun place to grow up. Yeah. Um, you know, as a local, I had like four months of spring break every year. Uh, by the time I went to the cop to college, I was so sick of spring break, right? Um, but you know, I still went. I, I I still had a great time. But it was like okay, it was it was kind of you know, wore wore its welcome out. I was mm-hmm. like, and that's all it was really. And so I wanted to get out. I wanted to be in a big city. I wanted to be on my own. Um, you know, hilariously, I found out about DC because I was dating a guy and he was from there. He went to a, a private college in Daytona Beach and we went home to see his folks. And by the time we went there, we kind of had broken up, but we still went oh, as sure. friends. Yeah. And it was amazing. I was, I, that trip, I was like, I'm going to move here. And I did mm-hmm. because it was a big city. It was interesting. There were a lot of interesting people. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate that opportunity to experience it with a friend yeah. and decide that's where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, what did you do in Washington, D.C.? Did you want to talk about? Yeah. So I, I work like, yeah. You know, so I got a job working as a legal secretary at a law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I um, then applied to law school, went to law school at night while I was working at a law firm. And then I worked at another law firm and I actually worked for the Department of Energy as a legal clerk during law school. And um, then went to practice in, in the kind of the Metro DC area in Northern Virginia, okay. um, doing construction law and government contracts. Mm-hmm. I had um, taken a government contracts class in law school. because so I was like, well, I'm in DC. I should probably know this mm-hmm. and fell in love with it and met um, someone who was recruiting for a law firm. And I um, did a summer internship or clerkship with them mm-hmm. and um, the rest is history. And it was fun being a lawyer. It was chaotic. It was hard. It was exhausting. It's all the feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And I never regret it. Mm-hmm. I I am still friends today with some of the people that I worked with. And um, one of the partners I reported to for a really long time during my tenure um, it was really just so instrumental in who I was. And basically gave me the hardest things to do and was like, you can do this. Mm. And yeah. And it wasn't like, he wasn't like failure is not an option, but it was more like, you can do this. Just, you know, it was almost like stop being afraid. 
and, and because this isn't the thing that's going to kill you. This is just the thing that you're going to do and it's going to be hard and you're going to get through and we're going to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it was like, get out of your own head. That was the message I received. That was a colleague or a leader that you had. Who, who are you describing? That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, actually, one of the part main partners in our law firm, yeah. Jack Teeter, who yeah. has since passed away. Um, and yeah, he just wasn't into like, fancy like um I don't know just like his persona wasn't to like create well he wasn't about creating a persona he wasn't wearing Brooks Brothers suits or really expensive um he didn't have a really expensive um briefcase he was just a regular guy who practiced law mm -hmm. and he was really really good at it mm -hmm. and he um he liked people with grit yeah. to them because this wasn't an area where you could doubt yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you doubted yourself, you actually just had to fake it. Mm -hmm. um, and so until you realized that you could do it. So yeah, he, he handpicked a lot of people who either had grit or the potential for grit. You already had it or did you have a potential I don't know for if it? I had it. Yeah. Um, I probably had the potential for it for sure. Yeah. yeah. You have it now. I think so. Yeah. 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 And what does that look like now? Um, or what does that mean? How do you practice it? Being open to anything, um, um, being curious for sure. Um, being not judgmental because I don't know. I don't know so much. Yeah. And so I think being curious and being non-judgmental are two sides to the same coin. They're not the same thing. Right. Um, and being, yeah, being okay that it may not work because again, I don't think that's the negative. Something not working isn't a failure. It's just not supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, How do we teach that? We, right? Like, I think, I think I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. It's not natural for a lot of people or it's difficult for a lot of people. And I don't know if well, it's environment or behavior. Or whatever. I think you know? it's environment. I mean, I think yeah. we, we teach people that if they're not the best at something, that that's a failure. Mm -hmm. Right. And in early. Right, oh, yeah. pretty early yeah. if you don't win that right yeah you know. and this isn't the this is by no means the participation trophy conversation mm -hmm. which i know a lot spurs a lot of negative conversation mm -hmm. this is more there's more than two answers mm -hmm. you know there's there's not just right and wrong everything is gray everything is gray mm -hmm. and it's all about timing I feel like every single thing in this universe is timing. Yeah. 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 I, I think a lot about longevity, a lot about um, the, the reason sometimes that people maybe aren't or don't feel successful or don't keep going with something is because they are afraid of failure or they feel like they're failing and longevity is key, um, whether it's in business, in personal relationship uh, projects. 
sometimes you do have to let go of something. Absolutely. Um, but sometimes you have to like you, um, but sometimes you just have to keep going with something mm -hmm. to see, is this, is this just a timing thing? Right. And I feel like everything I've done that I, when I, when I do that, when I go, oh, let me just play this out. Right. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have to end with that thing, right? It may be like, oh, here's the thing right next to it that I would have missed if I stopped early. Yeah. And also letting go of something when it's not working is, mm -hmm. is important too, for sure. And I think discerning when that, when that what, what that looks like yeah. is probably the million dollar question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and even if that doesn't work out, maybe ended too soon or went too long with something, you can just go somewhere else. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't, there's not just one path. Yeah. And I think my career is an example of that. You know, I stopped mm -hmm. being a lawyer when I moved up here. Right. And I, I actually applied for a legal position in a big company here. Mm -hmm. And I was actually volunteering at a homeless shelter at the same time. And I got offered a job at the homeless shelter. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to do the law job anymore. So that was kind of your introduction then into nonprofit. Yeah, I was like, yeah. So I was like, well, I don't want to, this seems really interesting and impactful. And when I was a lawyer, I worked, I volunteered at a, a shelter in Virginia too okay, on sure. the weekends um, and went and helped people with resumes and, and prep for jobs when they've been out of the job market for a long time. And it was really rewarding because the shelter was right in my neighborhood. So it was... It was my responsibility, I felt, to help my neighbors. Yeah. Um, so it was an easy, it was easy and mm -hmm. seemed so ludicrous when I did it that when I started working at a homeless shelter up here. Um, it it and that made it so amazing because I was like, this seems so ludicrous for me to switch careers completely <laughs> and do something, but it turned out amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What made it seem ludicrous? It was that 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 it was so different, that it was yeah. not what you thought you wanted to be, not what you went to right. school for, that it was a trick. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And I knew ultimately, I would say I would, I think people would say that they weren't disappointed that I made the decision. I said some people like my family and yeah. and just my family in general. I'm not, yeah. I don't want to. Um, say specific people, but really, you know, family in general, right? They have expectations for you. Right. Um, and for a while, my some of my extended family, when I would come down for holidays, are you ever going to go back to law? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. And I, I appreciate having that experience. And mm -hmm. here's where I am. You write about uh, not liking the question, what do you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or liking it. Yeah. yeah. Liking it. Not seeing past that. Or why is that the way that we communicate or introduce ourselves or put so much worth on? Uh, and you talked about um, that it's important, but it may be not the most important yeah. thing. And how you measure success. I'm interested in your thoughts there. Yeah. I think it's just low hanging fruit. Yeah. I, I think so. That was the question definitely when I lived in DC and yeah. worked in 
in law and political circles, right? Because it was all about access, right? That's, that city is all about access and that's not a bad thing. That's just, it has to be like that. It's who do you know? Right, because yeah. it, yeah. because I, we, I know we think of that in a negative way. It is actually a positive way because no one can get anything done alone. Mm -hmm. So it's, okay, how can I work with you? Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, we define ourselves by our position because everyone in DC has business cards. So it's easy to go, well, you know, instead of going, who are you? Mm -hmm. There's collaboration happening in DC or there was a, once upon a time. Once upon a time, yeah. there surely is. Yeah. <laughs> Singing with all the noise. Better. Saying. Um, yeah. I also think it's a really easy way to start a conversation with someone so it I just probably still do it and mm -hmm. I love I I try to find better questions to ask mm -hmm. random people I meet or I'm hanging out with for a certain period of time or whatever right I mean it's um I mean it's hard because you don't know if it'll flop right I mean most people have a job or have had a job so yeah. it's an easy question yeah. right but if I say, you know, what is your hobby? I mean, some people don't, yeah. I don't want to say some people don't have hobbies. Some people consider what they do as not being a hobby, mm -hmm. like outside of work or whatever. So they may not, you know, it, it's just a more difficult question, you know? I get it. Yeah. And if, I mean, I'm with other people and like I, like I can tell someone's nerdy like me, I may ask, so what's your favorite book? And then, you know, that goes over well, but, you know, sometimes that flops too. Sure, yeah. When I think about it, it's kind of how much self-worth or worth or value do you put in mm -hmm. to career? Um, yeah. And I think for me for a while, it was out of balance and too much. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you kind of form identity around that. Um, and, and who cares what you do for work? as long as you're you're happy and you're having an impact yeah right? so I think that's it to almost like a me use, using it as a measuring stick mm -hmm. or a sense of value yeah so I like being able to get past that mm -hmm. um, that for sure is a default question um, but it can be meaningful too maybe they want to talk about things yeah like the, because what's the next what's the next question right what's the next question after what do you do yeah. I think that's when it can become really meaningful mm -hmm. yeah yeah and a lot of people love what they do, so right. you don't want to discount it, right? Yeah. They they really get a lot of joy out of how they make a living mm -hmm. um, because it also then allows them to do the things they love, whatever that is. So, you know, I, I don't want to discount it. And yeah, there's maybe it can be the second question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a, there's ways that you can answer that. Um, when I was, when I did this, uh, seven day yoga retreat thing, we talked about how can we answer the question, what do you do oh. in a unfamiliar, like defamiliarize the way that we answer it mm -hmm. rather than answering it with a title and a job, answer it with like what we actually are doing. And of course we were, we're, we were all yoga teachers. So we're thinking about rather than saying, I'm a yoga teacher saying, I, for example, with me, been thinking a lot about bio mm. and I empower people to move and breathe and be right like defamiliarize the way that you introduce yourself 
but it is still challenging right. because you start to get into that space. People ask you, oh, what do you do? And you go on this kind of longer answer and it can be off-putting, but that off-puttingness, I think, can be the start to a really interesting conversation. Right. Yeah. And I like that defamiliarizing mm-hmm. it and everything, frankly. Yeah. I mean, that's how yeah. you make friends and and generate relationships too. I think that's how you go deeper and being awkward and, and authentic. Who, who are your people? Like mm-hmm. who is going to respond yes. to this mm-hmm. positive? Yes. Because everyone isn't your people, yeah. but at different times and different ways, perhaps yeah. Yeah, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. I wanted to talk about travel. Yeah. Because you do a lot of you do a lot of solo travel. The mm-hmm. blog post that we were referencing before was about the travel that you did with a couple of friends. Yes. To, um, that was in Portugal. Yes, Portugal and Spain. In we Spain. walk the Camino. Yes. Um, and then you do a lot of solo travel, which I think is awesome. Okay, Kelly, to be candid, <laughs> like the way that you are and I want to be I want to be me I want to be yeah. me but I the, things that you, the things that you do and the way that you live is so inspiring it's like that's where I see myself going okay yeah um, well I also hope you do it for your version oh of yeah my, my version for sure but just yeah just the the just going for it, like the the freedom with which you you yeah. move in your life, or at least what I see, the way yeah. that you seem to move in your life with this this freedom. So talk about travel, talk about whatever you want to talk about there, really. Yeah. And I will say, yes, I agree. I I do feel like I move with my in my life with freedom. Yeah. Um, and I also am, I also have anxiety and I also stress and I also worry about literally everything sometimes less these days actually mm-hmm. um so I don't want I don't definitely don't want to give anyone the pressure like my life has this perfect persona mm-hmm. because it's life mm-hmm. um no one's life is has the you know it's all persona you know and so yes I do and I've created that and I've been intentional with it and I never thought I would be known as someone who likes to travel it wasn't like I want to travel and I want to go take pictures of these things that are famous and and say that I've been there right right that never was the intention it was just I think my curiosity Mm -hmm. um about the world and my feeling of non-judgment about the world because you know when you get out of Appleton Wisconsin there's a lot of the world that doesn't live like us yeah yeah (laughs) and I think so I think it just like took on a life of its own Mm -hmm. and I also am very much and when I tell people this they sometimes question it but it's true. I'm very much an introvert. Mm-hmm. So I will, I will go home and recharge after a vacation or and anything just that seems, I don't want to say hard, but strenuous in some way, whether it's physically or emotionally. Yeah. And I will 
kind of have my own little cocoon of life mm -hmm. and I don't need to go do the next thing or see a bunch of people or, or feel like I'm missing out on anything. Right. I, I just like cocoon for a while. You've accepted that you found it, you understand it, you've accepted it. You know, it's a thing you need to do and you don't mm -hmm. feel guilty about no, it. it. Like I think, I think some people, with that energy are like, okay, well, that was What's fun. It, uh, right? Like, right, because here's what happens, right? There's that inevitable crash when you come back from something, yeah. which I also don't mm -hmm. feel a lot these days. Um, maybe I did when I was younger, sure. um, but I think that means I'm living more authentically if I don't have that crash or that feeling of, you know, I know a lot of people talk about travel depression. When they get back, mm -hmm. they feel let down mm -hmm. with the state of their life. Because I think they used it to escape. I guess right. I use it to explore. Yeah. And yeah. And I also want to say too, I, I, I am very privileged to do that, to travel. Mm -hmm. So I, I also don't want people to think that just travel because that is not, that's not what everyone can do. So I also operate with the fact that these are gifts I'm getting when I travel yeah. And so I it definitely create some harmony in my life where I'm doing some, a lot of giving back in my life because mm -hmm. I know I have yeah. gifts that I don't want to say are more, they're just different. You know, we all have our, we only can see through our own perspective. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think when you look at people and want to recreate their lives that it's, Ooh, you know, that it, it, it makes one stressed. It can make mm -hmm. one have some envy and, but we're all different. Right. Yeah. So I, I guess I just want to say that because, we, you know, I have, I have one of, one of my superpowers, I think, is that I have really amazing friends and mm -hmm. we, I have cultivated deep friendships. I could call any one of them in the middle of the night and they would be there and I would do the thing. Mm -hmm. and that's huge and we are all different I have one friend who travels significantly more, more frequently and more extraordinarily than I do yeah and I am so excited for her and to hear how the world looks through her eyes mm -hmm. right and I have friends who don't want to travel and it's still such a robust conversation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yes, but I did do a lot of traveling in 2022, which was all very serendipitous. And also, interestingly, I kind of slowed down. Like I, I kind of want to like take a break from it a little bit this year because I also don't want to check off boxes because that's not why I travel so but yes um yeah so two friends and I we walked 162 miles which was ludicrous it, another ludicrous thing it was ridiculous it was hard it was so hard it was so hard yeah and it was funny and I think for all of us we we had this conversation so I, I want to speak for them a little bit finishing it wasn't like the highlight wasn't like, oh my God, we did it. It was just all those little moments along the way. The journey. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You wrote about it and there was a quote that you wrote. 
I'm a recovering overachiever. Yeah. Right. Like I was taught that if you aren't productive, you are lazy and therefore not worthy. Turns out my teachers were wrong. Yeah. If you are productive, you are resting a thinker, mm -hmm. a human. Talk about that. How long did that take you to learn and then unlearn? And how do you do it? And what is, you know, I, I similarly, I was taught that yeah. resonated. I was yeah. taught the same. Well, I mean, I kind of, you know, it's not, I don't think anything is like a light bulb. All of a sudden, I yeah. think we all of a sudden yeah. get things one day, but I don't think it went from not getting it to then getting it. I think it's all the little pieces that kind of put it together and then you get it. Just how long it takes. Is yes. That <laughs> it's just how long it takes. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think. Or what are the experiences? To yeah. get it, but then to know it the second time, right? Mm -hmm. I think you, you go, oh yeah, I get that. But then to really get something and right. then you have to learn the lesson over and over and over again, right? Um, well, the Camino was fantastic because we had built-in rest days, mm. um, you know, yeah. and there was nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I will tell you, there were people who were passing us. They were fast walkers and they were going to just get it done in record time. We lingered and meandered and had rest days yeah. um, and had so much fun on those rest days, too, because then we were just tourists for, in a city for two nights, right? Yeah inevitably doing our laundry and hanging all of our um, sports bras and underwear off in some railing in some random <laughs> Spanish or Portuguese city. You know, like, hi, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because everyone has washers there, but not dryers. It's because it's warm and hot. Yeah. Why would you have dryers? Yeah. Just hang your laundry. Yeah. And that's how we did it. Yeah. Um, so it was just, those were the memorable times. And, um, yeah, I think just, we rested and it was interesting. We met this woman. So, oh my gosh. So it was so hot and there was no shade and it was beautiful. We were walking through vineyards mm -hmm. on these paths and it was scorching. You cannot sit under a vineyard and rest in the shade. Mm -hmm. So it was, the sun was beating down the entire, we, we had packs on that were 15 pounds. We were, exhausted dusty and exhausted and um one morning we were like okay we got to get up early one morning we started walking at 5 a.m it was pitch dark we had our iphones the flashlights on our iphones to help us find the little you know these silly little arrows i mean i say that you know facetiously because they were amazing but um and of course we didn't have coffee and we're like it is 10 o'clock when we have not none of us had a lick of coffee we're like, oh my God, this, this, I know we were not happy. And I remember, you know, I'm, I'm getting out on the map on my, um, you know, iPhone to try to find something. It wasn't, and, and there was this town of small villages. There was nothing. We found a hostel that we had not stayed at, of course, but was halfway. And we just walked up a hostel. We're like, can we have coffee? And all the people were getting up who were on, who were also walking away. But these three strangers laid our packs at the door and went in and had, you know, two cups of coffee each and were like, and toast? Oh my gosh. We're like, this is like the jack. <laughs> um, well, we met this woman who, she's from Germany and she was much younger than us. Well, she had, um, she was working there 
but she was a pilgrim walking the way and she got horrible blisters, had to stop walking. And she's like, well, I'm just going to hang out for a couple weeks and they're going to pay me to help at the, this hostel. And then I'm going to go home. I'm going to try again one day. And I love that attitude. Mm. It wasn't about finishing. Yeah. It was just like, I, she was just a vet. She was just as a valid pilgrim as anybody else. Mm -hmm. So it was just such a great lesson. And I just remembered that moment where it, 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 it's all about the journey. Yeah. Yeah. So it was her resting. Yeah. And she was like, I'm just, I'm rest. I'm taking care of myself. And she met it, all these amazing people coming and going and could, help three strangers out who desperately needed coffee. So yeah, I think rest, it was, that's a great example of the resting conversation mm-hmm. um, is it's not saying I can't do it. It's just like, oh no, I'm choosing to do something else. Yeah. yeah. You talk about seeing others' perspectives, the ability to see others' perspectives, the importance of seeing other people's perspectives. Yeah. You do a phenomenal job at that. In, in my interactions oh, with you, you. you live that it's authentic and how it's, did you learn how to do that um oh yeah where does that come from i'm sure it's you know the nature nurture question right probably a little bit of both um i definitely had to learn it as a lawyer i i mean yeah yeah and frankly, both sides. Yeah, yeah, and still argue my own side. I mean, right. let's be honest. I mean, that's what we did. The more that you can understand yeah. on that person's side. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I see your side and no, I want my side. <laughs> um, but you also kind of live it a little more. You're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Let's settle or whatever the outcome is, right? You You see other side. You can see outside of your own desires you know, or own feelings about what is right and wrong. Um, yeah. That's and, a class in law school? No, but no. it's a, oh, it's a class as a lawyer. That's yeah. what it's Yeah. Yeah. And interesting, before I went to my law firm, I spent a year clerking with a federal judge and in D.C., the Court of Federal Claims, which hears all claims against the government for money. Okay. So I was next to the judge, yeah. kind of in the judge's seat and seeing, you know, helping him or, you know, helping him write his decisions of the, you know, of the decision he made. I mean, I wasn't making the decisions, but I was helping articulate them as a clerk. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could see people going, well, I agree with the plaintiff, but oh, I see the other side, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then in nonprofit work now, um, kind of it's all, everyone has a different perspective because, you know, I'm when I was at a homeless shelter or at a job training program and now at a mental health, foster care, and youth services organization, everything is about everybody else. And it isn't just two, you know, is it just two perspectives like you were when you're a lawyer? It's every single person's perspective. Because everyone who engages with us is different, whether they're a client or a donor or a volunteer or a staff member. There's a lot of players in that ecosystem, in that yeah. complex system. That at least need it's to, every the system is everybody. The, the, the entire community. Yeah, it's everybody. Yeah, yeah. 
understand. So that makes it complex. That makes it difficult. Yeah. You have to at least want to understand other people's perspectives, but there's a lot of different perspectives that have to come mm -hmm. together for a shared understanding to solve something new. Yes, absolutely. So that, that's interesting to me. That's some of the stuff that I lead and teach and facilitate around human-centered design. Right. And, and um, getting people to empathize with others and mm -hmm. see others' perspectives and rally around that and figure out what they can lift up inside yeah. of that collaboration. Yeah, and I know it's 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 hard to teach empathy, right? It's yeah. hard to say, hey, care about this other person right here next to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, um, yeah, and everyone and the people who care care in different ways. Mm. And so it's interesting. I mean, I'm the primary fundraiser in our organization and others do it too. You know, our CEO and I have a team and that's my I. I have the uh, I have the um, the authority and you know I, ha I have the obligation to do it and mm -hmm. so you know I I hear sometimes when I talk to donors you know they're like oh I'm you know sorry I can't give you more we're and they'll say it quietly we're giving to this other organization like they're embarrassed and I was like oh my gosh you're helping the people we serve too that is amazing right um that if you are helping someone who can't pay for a therapy yes you're helping at a food bank well they may go to that food bank mm -hmm. so great like so I I try to I try to take out the shame of it's not about us mm -hmm. you know it's about the community yeah. yeah 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 and yes i because it was ingrained in me for 20 years as a lawyer let's be honest i like to win yeah you know and i use an air quotes and also we can't do it alone like we can't be the only organization that does a service whatever that service may be because that wouldn't work mm -hmm. for any community I want to talk about so many things. <laughs> I have a bunch more questions too, but yeah. you, better, you better get one in. <laughs> Building relationships, boundaries, and your social media presence. Because mm -hmm. I, because even as a, and maybe it is, maybe social media presence is more comfortable for introverts um mm -hmm. but i'm always i'm i'm always intrigued by your social media presence oh that you have one <laughs> <laughs> i guess um and the way that you use social media um and then also the way that you build relationships and the boundaries that you put around those and you spoke to that a little bit um it's very similar to, to the way that I operate is I love spending time with people and connecting, but I also need time to myself mm -hmm. to recharge and just slow down and um, process and all of this kind of thing. Well, right. And be yourself too, because we are always influenced by the people around us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, 
you know, I can't be, I can be my authentic self around people. And we all have friends, we can do that. And it's always a degree. It isn't either or, or, right? It's not, I either can do it or don't do it. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of degree. We have many selves we show. Sure. But also I can be truly myself if I'm by myself. Totally by, mm. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Yeah. That's why I travel by yeah. myself. Right? I mean, yeah. that's why I travel by myself and because I never know what's going to happen. And I, it's not like I don't want to be on someone else's schedule, but it's more, I want to just experience things by myself. Yeah. You don't have to really make any any adjustments or compromises for anyone else that you might be traveling right. with. And I also want to make those compromises because I love traveling with people. I yeah. love being with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not what it's about. It's right. about something I need mm-hmm. and I don't want it to happen in my hometown. I want to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Authentic self is interesting to me in a concept that I've been exploring just in terms of how do you be more of that more regularly? What is it? More often. <laughs> yeah. What what is it? Can you be authentic self? I, or, I and I was talking about social media and I yeah. I actually I mean how ingenious that this all was invented. Um uh yeah as an introvert I wonder if there's a study if more introverts get they can be more authentic because they almost mm. like they're talking to themselves. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, it, it has its destructive forces, but sure. it doesn't anything, right? Like anything we've done in the history of the universe mm-hmm. has both the good and the bad yeah. with it. So I think it, but you just have to be more cognizant because it is, we have, Oh, I don't even have my phone here, but it, we have tiny computers that yeah. we can access anywhere in the world yeah. um, at any given time. So it's just how do you use that wisely? There seems to be an intentionality behind the way that you use social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or uh, link, you're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I don't use it for the yeah. often. Yeah. Um, Mainly because I get frustrated that every time I connect with someone, I get a sales message from them. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously not people I know yeah. physically, but people that like are connected with someone else I know. And then, so I'm kind of like, I don't even have the app on my phone anymore. Right. And then I'll go on there to, you know, cause I'll get a, like, I'll get an email that says, oh, you have unresponded to invitations or something. And then I'll have like, 150 notifications and I'll be like clear okay who are these you know yeah so yeah. I don't go on often um yeah and I I, I am on Twitter a lot because mm-hmm. I think it's funny and interesting and it moves so fast and um yeah and I also like I'm also kind of a snarky person like I love dark humor yeah and so I love that social media provides that. I mean, mm-hmm. so if you know that that's what it is, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, cause people are hilarious and it's funny when they're irreverent and um, yeah. yeah. One thing I do not like on social media is when people take pictures of other people unknowingly and post it. Yeah. That 
that's like a hill I die on. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't happen very often, mm -hmm. but when I do see it, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy because it almost makes me think last time I traveled, I was like, is someone taking an unknown picture of me because I look awkward or I'm struggling with my bag and, sure. you know, yeah. and that's the only, that's one of the things that like pops to mind that I don't like about social media. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had that experience on the other side of that. Um, generally I'm pretty good with who's ever out there taking my picture, but, um, my sister, I have a sister who like, she'll tell me, Hey, can you take that picture down? Because I don't like the way I look or so, yeah. such and such. And I'll do that. So it's just, you know, that, that being respectful of, or if it's a situation with, um, like a lot of times in my yoga classes, I'll ask, Hey, I'm going to take this picture. Yep. Do you mind? Yeah. I that's, there. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. And it's just being on um, being respectful of other people's privacy. Mm -hmm. um, they may have, uh, there may be reasons why they don't want exactly. their image out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think social media is a great tool and, yes. uh, you know, and, and like everything else, it's a tool mm -hmm. to something else. It's not mm -hmm. the end of the line. And also you have to know that like we do in real life on social media, we can curate things that not necessarily, I don't want to say they're not true. They're not the whole story. Mm -hmm. Just like this, oh, just like this conversation unless we were here for 24 hours, you're not going to get the whole story. Yeah. And just wants that. Yeah. <laughs> just wants to seem real. Right? <laughs> that's, that's plugged in. Oh. Right? Um, and um, yeah. yeah, we, um, I think we just have to be cognizant that like we're not seeing the whole story, mm -hmm. right? Um, because some people aren't going to put on there when they're ha struggling. I mean, maybe more people should. Yes. And, but that's okay because that doesn't mean they're not being authentic. It just means maybe don't, they don't feel safe to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you never assume intent. Mm -hmm. I think that also helps to maybe keep you curious when you're real, when you recognize that the whole story isn't there. So rather than passing judgment mm -hmm. on it, you can get curious about it. Yeah. Or just leave it. Right. I actually am listening to this book on Audible. I'm a huge Audible fan. Um, and so I, I tend to listen to a lot of nonfiction books on there and then okay. read fiction. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm almost finished with this book. Will Giarda. He, he wrote this book and he, he narrates it, which I always love when the author narrates their own book because mm -hmm. there's something that comes through like their love of what they just did, you know, yeah. what they created. Uh, it's called Unreasonable Hospitality. And there was, he's a manager for high-end restaurants in New York City. And it was all about actually not assuming bad intent and assuming mm -hmm. that someone did the best they can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, cause it was all about 
servers and kitchen and, and, yes. and yeah. yeah so yeah. don't assume that they did this because they want to make your life worse <laughs> as the server do it because they just didn't have all the information or something like that um, and it's a great book about being unreasonable he's got some examples He's got some stories to share, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. Oh yeah, lots of great stories. Yeah. And there's just, it's so applicable to life. I think it's not about being a restaurant manager. It's mm -hmm. it's about, I mean, there's lessons. It's a book on lessons. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's mindset stuff? Yeah, I think mindset and being creative. And, you know, um, one of the things that resonated with me was choosing conflicting goals. And I was like, okay, well, that seems like nonsense. Um, <laughs> um, but things like, no, be hospitable, be unreasonably hospitable and strive for excellence because yeah, sometimes those aren't the same, mm. right? Because how can you, if you're focused on individuals, how can you just excel across the board? And it's harder. Yeah. And he talks about that. Yeah. 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 It's a really good book. I really, I really am enjoying it and sad it's coming to an end. You read a lot. Yeah, I and do. One of the things that I wanted to ask in this, and you may have way more books than this, is like your top five, the top five that kind of come to mind immediately. And they may not be your yeah. top five. Right, it changes. Favorite, right, because it, yeah. yeah you're yeah. going to continue to read. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thanks to Mr. Mrs. Lucas in second grade. That's why I'm a reader. I love the reading. Yes. If you can give, yeah, yeah. If, can, if we can give the next generation a love yeah. of reading and curiosity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, so I, uh, she gave me my love of reading. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Lucas in the second grade to Mocha Elementary School in Ormond Beach, Florida. And I came back to her class to read to her students oh, when I was older and, cool. and hung out in my friend down the street's bedroom. Instead of going out to play, we would just sit on the floor with our backs to her bed and read different books together. And yeah, so it was, yeah, totally ingrained. And, you know, I'm, I'm ultimately an introvert, so it was a great activity. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, top five. Definitely the number one is The Master and Margarita. It's a mm. um, Russian novel by Mikhail Bulgakov, um, published after um, Stalin's death in the 60s mm -hmm. um, to kind of make fun of... Um, their anti-religion stance, you know, their atheism and, and just the absurdity of everything horrible that happened, but it was written in, in yeah, it's the devil comes to Moscow and he has a talking cat and all these weird characters and it's, it's fantastical. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hilariously, I found out about that book. I, I did one year as a legal recruiter for this amazing company, high-end like legal recruiting company. So basically they were looking for partners to go to other law firms, right? They were hired by law firms to recruit partners away from the current firms. And so I was talking to one guy, you know, you cold call people and I cold call this one guy and he's like, yeah, I want to learn more about this opportunity here. And here, email me at my personal email, obviously not my work email. 
because that would be awkward. And so he, his email is one of the characters in that book. And I was like, okay, clearly this is an email. Like, what's this email? What is, like, yeah. boy, this is clearly a character's name yeah. of something. And so he told me about this book, mm-hmm. how it was his favorite book of all time and I should get it and da, 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 And I did, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, because it always changes. It, um, it's totally ridiculous book and that's why it makes it so good. Um, Stoner by John Williams, which was also written in the 60s. It's an academic book about this, I think, literature professor who has a horrible wife. And a lot of people don't like the book because I think he's, oh, they see him as a weak character who is overrun by his wife, the character of his wife, who is just a horrible person. So like, you can't empathize with him because he's, I guess, taking it on the chin or something, but it's mm. so well-written. Mm. Um, and Hanin by another Russian author, Nabokov, um, which is just this tiny little, another academic novel. And it's so cute and sweet and interesting. Um, yeah. Um, and- So um, that's three. Great, yeah. Well, we have another one. It happens to be five. Actually, I'll say one more. I don't know if I could answer that. Girl, Woman by Bernadine (laughs) Evaristo. She's the first Black woman to ever win the Booker Prize, which is the um, prize in uh, UK for um, top novels. Um, What was the name of the book? Girl, Woman, Other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a huge... Um, to be read pile. It's actually a cart. <laughs> um, but so I found that I, I was reading something, an article the other day. It was like, don't think about your to be read pile as like something you need to do. Mm-hmm. Think of it like your wine cellar. Ooh. And I was like, oh, I love that. Like you want to collect it. I, so that you can, I know you definitely can. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate it. I was like, oh, what a great way to phrase it. I like that. Yeah. I have guilt when I don't get to something or don't finish a book. Right. But it's now it's, it's like not, it's the collection that I'm going to get to when yeah, the time is right for. Yeah. No. So it's a collection, yeah. not an obligation. Yeah. And I really love uh, that viewpoint. I'm like, wow, that's really amazing. Um a book that I really, really oh gosh, there's a number of them. Um well, one that I really like is Karen Karen Armstrong The Spiral Staircase oh sounds interesting where she talks about um kind of her her journey into um through academia um there's a couple it's been a while since I've read it but there was one thing in particular that stood out to me she was in a different country Mm -hmm. And um, they had a different idea about gratitude, where if you were doing your job, you didn't need to be thanked for it because she she was getting a ride um, from somebody to a place and said, thank you. And they were like, why are you thanking me? I'm just doing my job. And I love that. I love gratitude. I do think that it's huge and super important. But I also love that perspective of this is work that I'm doing. I that I don't need to be thanked for. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. What do you like about that? Yeah. Like, you, you could argue that you can be thanked because you got dropped off safely and it was a pleasant ride. But you're saying what, what that character was saying was I'm not. I, I don't need to be thanked for a job that I'm getting paid for. I don't need to be thanked for a job that I, you know, for even if it's, you know, maybe it's just work that you're doing that is not something that you're getting paid for. I don't need to be thanked for it. So kind of like that perspective, yeah. um, not necessarily so much the thanking, right? It's okay to thank people for things. I think that's important. Um, but I think the perspective that that particular person had or that particular culture had, and I can't remember what country it was that she was in, um, of that I'm doing a service because whatever, mm -hmm. um, I don't need to, I don't need you to thank me for that. And I think, because, because I think there is sometimes this, and I've, <laughs> we've, maybe we've all had this, I know that I've had this where I feel like, oh, that person didn't even thank me for such and such. Or I've heard other people say, oh, this, you know, um, what was it? <sighs> There's a bartender I was talking to and they're like, yeah, I went to, because uh, she always would thank people for tips, right? Mm. And she put, a t she put a tip in a some tip jar somewhere and they didn't thank her and she, you know, was kind mm. of annoyed about it, right? But I'm like, but if you're doing something because either you want to do it or you're being paid to do it, then why do you need to be thanked for it? Right, right. Yeah, it, 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 it is really interesting concept and it really has a lot to do with preferences. Yeah, I know as a, yeah. you know, my job that I get paid for, I, um, you know, I'm raising money for people who care about our community and will and I ask them, how do you want to be thanked? Ooh. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Because it's that's not good. just a thank you. Usually yeah. I don't get handed a check as a gift, right? It comes in the mail or it's online. So it's a longer term interaction. It's not yeah. just a transaction. It's, it, you know, it lasts longer. So how do you want to be thanked? What, you know, how does that, what does that look like for you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. They can answer those questions usually. That's a question that yeah. you can have a discussion around. Yeah. There, there are different ways of doing this. Right? They may not know, and, and then I'll suggest, yeah. well, I, I will send a written note. You know, a lot of people don't want to be called these days. So, you know, I get that. Um, and I appreciate that because chances are I'm not going to answer my phone either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't recognize the number. Yep. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good conversation to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just this week I had, um, six voicemails and it, they were all spam. They were yeah. all like either auto. Yeah. Well, we don't answer yeah. our, call, our phone all the time. Yeah. <laughs> little, little much sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Um, the other book that I if it's okay if I talk about another book. Yes. But I really like, um, I, so I- This is your part. <laughs> Can I speak? <laughs> um, so I 
learned of Kate Bush in, I think, 2015. Kate Bush is a um, musician yeah. from back in the 80s, maybe early 90s. She's, I think, still even doing stuff today. Mm -hmm. She is, uh, I think, the most recent um, album that I, it was like in the early 2000s, I think, that I had seen. But anyway, so I came across her music at a time that I think I really needed something interesting and fun and yeah. um, big. And she is very theatrical mm -hmm. in the way that she delivers. Um, and she, the, the, the music that she puts out is always inspired by something fictional or some kind of, yeah. So she has this song song called Cloud Busting and it's from back in the yeah. 80s. And there's like this kind of um, like movie style, uh, movie style music video out there. Um, and I got real interested. I love the song. I got real interested in that particular song. And I'm like, I need to look up like, what is this cloud busting? Is this, is this a movie? Like, right. is it, like, okay. Yeah, what does it mean? And found out about this book called um, the A Book of Dreams, which is by, I might not even get the author, the author's last name right, Peter Reich, I want to say. Okay. Um, and it's about his father and his relationship with his father. And his father was this sort of offbeat, uh, science-ish-y guy. <laughs> like, kind of, he like had developed um, a different way of addressing people's emotions that was maybe, that was definitely controversial, especially mm. at the time. Um, which I think was like back in the 60s or something. And um, he also developed this machine, which he described as the as a like a cloud buster, which was supposed to affect the weather. So oh, really like off the wall kind of stuff, right? That this guy, well, he eventually, his father gets apprehended by the government and I think he ends up dying in prison um for I don't know being weird <laughs> I'm sure there was many other things other yeah. factors, but the book is written from the perspective from like kind of a child oh interesting so huh. it's how he saw his father right and um and and not seeing him as any threat or anything like that just kind of explaining yeah this is what he showed me and this is what he was interested in and this is these are the experiences that I had around this sort of strange offbeat uh kind of psych psychological science I don't want to say necessarily faux science but like just different. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I found I the the timing, the timing of things was so interesting there. So I found Kate Bush, I mm -hmm. found the song, and then I looked up the book, and it was 
on order. Like it, they were doing a reprint okay. right at the time that I found this. And so I'm like, I pre-ordered it. Like, because if I had found it any time before that, right, it's probably out there now, but if I had found it any time before that, I wouldn't have gotten the book. Right. It was not around. Um, so they, it, there, there was a whole new reprint being done, and I absolutely loved it. I loved the perspective. I loved how um, this sort of just like innocent look at something that maybe was a little bit controversial, maybe was even nefarious in some ways um, that his father was doing, but that kind of looking at it through a child's eyes. Sounds super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to add that I'm gonna to my have, list. I'll have to have you borrow it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's books like that that are, I think, you know, books and music, right? They go yeah. hand in hand, I think, with, um, yeah. you know, creativity, curiosity, empathy, um, yeah, emotions. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you get people to be empathetic. Or feel empathy, right? Just teach them to read and stories, right? mm -hmm. stories, mm -hmm. yeah. or or yeah, um, you get to feel the character. Well-written books, then you feel and sense right. the character. You know, they take us to different places, and they don't have to be true to. I mean, maybe the the phrases they don't have to be accurate to be true, right? Yeah, there. When I was learning about creative nonfiction, memoir, autobiography, um, there's a, a debate in that world about whether something has to be exactly true. And I always took on that if the emotion is there, even if the details aren't exactly right, then it's true. Mm -hmm. um, you're still being true to the emotion. We don't always remember the exact details of the things that happened. Right, in our it's lives. how it made it, how it right. made us feel. Yeah, yeah. But if sure. we can write about it in a way that gets at the emotions that we were feeling during that period in our lives, I think is key. I mm -hmm. think that's the most important thing. Um, but there's there's debate to be had there, right? Like yeah. How, how much of the details have to be. And that's okay. Yeah. We don't have to, yeah. yeah. We don't have to answer that question. Yeah. They can argue about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. We're talking about books. I walk around with two books in my bag for work. I have a bunch of mm -hmm. stuff in my bag, you know, my tote. Um, and I, I have The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. And um, Breeding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Um, I actually just keep them in my bag I love that. and if I need something to read or I'm feeling stressed or anxious or whatever, depending, you know, I'll read The Power of Now just to kind of go somewhere else in my mind or reading Sweetgrass is just such an amazing discussion about nature and, and us as a species and, you know, how we're connected. I like that. I have a book in my bag. I like it as a as a tool or a technique to yes. get into a different mind frame yeah. or mindset yes. or feeling where your where your mind or body are, and then right. options. Right, because I can I just open any page and just start reading a paragraph. Um, because they're both nonfiction, right? So it's not like I'm missing a story, mm -hmm. and I've already read them, so I can just remember where I, 
you know, where remember this mm. passage from when I read it first. Mm. Yeah. So you work in that space of um, nonprofit, but you're you're also working with and around therapists. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get yeah. touch a little bit on because we're we're gonna do, I think, a, another, we're gonna do an episode on this. Um, and maybe I shouldn't even limit it, but um, I did want to get into talking about studs because you watched that. Yeah. Um, one of that was one of the inspirations for us to do this, even though mm -hmm. neither of us are therapists. But I think whenever you get into conversation with friends, um, deeper conversation with friends, it can feel a lot like therapy. Yeah. Um, You're not a therapist. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to talk, to kind of get your take on that and on um, therapy and on innovation in that space. Yeah. Can, can it look like it looked like between Jonah Hill and Phil Stutz? Yeah, that was a great documentary, right? I love how it was even filmed. I think mm -hmm. that had a lot to do with the emotions we felt. You know, we, I say, well, me, and I feel like you did mm -hmm. too, um, how it was filmed, right? Like it was the, the gray scale and, um, you, you know, the the extra animation yeah. and, it, you know, it made you feel something because it was different yeah. as well. Um, and you were having a, a celebrity be, be vulnerable, mm -hmm. um, which often doesn't happen. Um, yeah, but we just, we just hear about them in, you know, the news, magazine, social media, et cetera. Right. Um, yeah, I, um, I love it. I mean, I love where I work and what I do generally too. Mm -hmm. Um, it's fun working with a bunch of therapists. I feel like I, I you know, I like to joke. I'm like, oh, wow. I have like 12 free therapists. Like, <laughs> it's a pretty strong support <laughs> to be funny because yeah. they, you know, they are doing their job and serving others. Um, and they're all very supportive and di very different ways too. Like yeah. mm -hmm. as many therapists mm -hmm. as there are, there are different therapies mm -hmm. because they're all just so unique and they're, because they're humans. Yeah. You know, they bring their own stuff to their therapy mm -hmm. and their own unique styles and um, personalities. So that's super interesting. Um, yeah. And um, I wish there wasn't as much stigma. And I don't even know if it, I, stigma is such like a general term. I don't even know what it means. I mean, we say it to use it as shorthand, but it's, it means it's been so much. A lot, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just shame tradition it it means it can stand for a lot of things i guess it's kind of like asking what do you do uh, you know it's it's the shorthand for all the stuff we don't want to talk about yet mm -hmm. um to talk about there's a stigma attached to it because yeah. it makes it a hard because i'm not strong and i'm not you know right and i don't feel good and you know yeah yeah so we say okay that's stigma right um and all the other things that it means too um yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I love I love what we're doing because I, I think it's so necessary. Um, and you imagine 
I'm going to be philosophical, but you imagine a world where you don't need it, right? What does that look like? Right. Um, Yeah, maybe you need it a little bit, but what does the world or community look like where you don't need, Mm -hmm. you don't need me to ask people to care about other people's mental health and make Mm -hmm. sure they get us to therapy. What does Mm -hmm. that look like? Um, And we care a lot around a lot of generational stuff too, right? From our parents and grandparents yeah. and, and, and frankly, the world they live in, it's not just them. It's not their fault. It's the, just things the way existed. Um, and yeah, but it is fascinating. And yeah, you wonder like, so I was, I was thinking about my job while I'm listening to this book, you know, unreasonable hospitality. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, wow, that really applies to nonprofit and what I do for a living and, and how do you be, I'm like, is it possible to create joy in a therapy clinic? Like, because people are coming there for really hard stuff. Right. Um, and, but often looking for that joy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it is an ideal place for it. Yeah. Like I remember one of the things I, in development, like there is, there's so much more than just raising money, right? It's Mm -hmm. to try new things. And one of the things I helped try was I bought a bunch of stuff at Costco and we piloted, can we sustain like a little hospitality area at our clinic, right? Mm -hmm. Coffee and water and snacks. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people are waiting. It's awkward. You're sitting there staring at people or trying not to stare at people Mm -hmm. that are across from you in the waiting room. Can we give them a cup of coffee? So then you can focus on that and a little snack or whatever. Um, and so we did that, right? So what is, it got me thinking, what else, what else is there, you know? Mm -hmm. And like at my organization, we're doing this um, initiative for men's mental health, um, mm-hmm. which we've affectionately named Dudes and Tacos. Mm-hmm. Um, my CEO came up with that tacos means a trailblazing adventure of connection, outreach, and support, which I love. Mm-hmm. And so that's innovative because that's about creating connection, not necessarily saying go to therapy. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. Mm-hmm. And Maybe we just need more fun. I don't want to say fun is right. the yeah, yeah. answer because that is not because people are struggling. Yeah. And I, I honor that and I, I want to be part of whatever it takes to help them. And also we need a little levity. I, it, it reminds me, I was talking to a friend who I, I mean, I text and call with all the time. This was a couple of years ago. And she's like, gosh, Kelly, we're so great at adventuring, but we're not, I don't know if, are we great at fun? And I was like, ooh, wow, that's a deep question. Because adventuring is different than fun. Yeah, it, yeah, and, definitely can be. Yeah. yeah, and it was like, oh, I don't even know. Like, I'd like to say I'm good at fun, but that's more like adventuring. So, but, so I think a lot of this is creating joy, which is, I think, next to fun, right? Like for people, which is near connection. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You're doing some innovative stuff at foundations. Uh, It's awesome to view it and watch you work, watching your team work. Yeah. And maybe I I think I'm the opposite of what I said earlier about, you know, is there a different question than what do you do? I 
if people ask me what I do for a living, if I met a stranger, I would like talk forever about what I do because not only do I love what I do in general, but I love where I'm located at now. Like both are equally rewarding. Um, and I, I never thought I would be here doing this work. You're doing human-centered design work. In, in, as, I, as I listen to it and as I view yeah. it, as I think about it, um, trying new things, you're innovating, yeah. you're building programs and taking an experimentation mindset and piloting things. How do you make that work? How does that work? What, what, what's important? What are important aspects of that as you build team around being able to innovate in new spaces? Mm -hmm. Ooh. Um, having people with diverse viewpoints. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want because everyone's not going to be creative in the same way, right? And creative isn't just reserved for certain people. Um, I think sometimes people think that. I think especially like in business, there is a creative department. Yeah. And that's not, I don't think, true. I think creativity is a practice, um, which is, you know, the innovation that comes from creativity. Um, I think my job just allows me to do more of it. Um, and I think other people have that ability to, if they feel empowered, mm -hmm. whatever that means, if mm -hmm. they have less hours doing other things, if they have more time just to think or be or get outside or be not in your job. Yep. I will say that's why taking vacations is so important um, because you come back refreshed and you think about your job when you're on vacation. Like you go, oh my gosh. That would be awesome, right? Look how mm -hmm. they're doing that. Yeah. The way that you do it is special. That mindset oh. is special. That makes you different. Yeah. I think that what okay. I've experienced in, I'm not going to get stressed out about what's happening at work. I'm going to take this time and take this trip. And when I come back, and I'm going to open up space to see mm -hmm. new things and then apply it back to what I'm doing versus I'm away from work, I got to check in on my email or I'm, yeah. I'm what am I missing? Or there's going to be a huge stack of stuff when I get back. Mm -hmm. What you describe yeah. there is unique in the mindset that you're taking when you go on the trips. And I think that's what makes it's also, yes, I agree. And it's also unique because of our culture mm -hmm. and our culture isn't unique. And I've experienced the opposite too. Tell and, about what, yeah. And I don't even know, like, it's interesting when I, when I came to my current job, I didn't know that that's what I was getting. I mean, I kind of knew, um, but I didn't know specifically. And now when I think about it, I was like, wow, if I could tell, like, I would ask different questions in interviews for jobs. Now that I, I see what I'm experiencing now. I would ask the, the person who I was, that was supervising me, you know, in this case, I report to the CEO, um, do you take vacations? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Because the common denominator for me is that it was always a little dysfunctional when I had bosses who didn't take vacations. Yes. So you, I was checking email on vacations. Um, I may still randomly do, but it's not out of obligation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, like, I feel like that's the link, but I'm not sure, right? Um, 
And it's so hard in interviews to see, how's my life going to be here? Right. It's hard to ask directly about culture, too. Yeah. So I like it. Right. Like, straight yeah. answer. Right. Well, right. I don't think yeah. people know what their culture is. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. think that they're being sly about the answer and don't want to answer. I think mm. sometimes they don't know mm. or they, they haven't thought about what it truly is. They have their own perception of what it is. So I, um, it's so hard. Like sometimes I feel like it was sheer luck that I'm here doing what I'm doing and so happy. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I mean, if you work a full-time job, a lot of your life is working. Mm -hmm. If you are in a job that is salaried, a lot of your job is outside normal hours because you're salaried. Yeah. You're just getting a job done. You're not working hours. Mm -hmm. And and so that's, it's a big part of our life. And so you, wow, you know, you better like it or figure that out. And yeah, I, I think you've helped build some of what that culture is there too. I mean, so, I, I, yeah. Yeah, you, so are, you are part of that. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a team sport yeah. for sure. And what are, yeah, what's important? what's an effective culture look like? Or what are you experiencing that you would describe as a positive culture that allows you to innovate and build new programs and try new things? Um, that's the, this is the, what is the culture like? Because you're, you're living it, right? Like, yeah. so I think that's why it makes it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wish I had like a poster that would spit out and be like, yeah, here, here's what's in my brain. Yeah. Cause it's hard to translate what's in your brain that you're feeling or experiencing to like the words to describe it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's, it's simultaneously people doing what their job is and also being nosy enough to help others. Mm -hmm. I hate the phrase, stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm an employee, the finances matter to me. And, and thankfully, we, we, have, we don't have a stay in your lane culture. We have a, oh, you're concerned about that? Let me do something about that so you're, you're not concerned because you're supposed to be doing something else. Like it's more of a helpful thing. So there's, than, a, there's a collaborative element. Yeah, like, yeah. like okay, we've identified issue or whatever it is, right? A thing that someone's worried about. Um, how are we going to solve it? Not just to solve it, but to make sure people feel empowered to do their job. So they're not, their job isn't worrying. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a focused on the people, not necessarily the thing. Yeah. Because you could fix a process and then it comes back because process requires you to be attentive to it so you can't just fix something and be like okay fix it yeah it's gonna come back yeah. i mean that's that's human-centered design right like, like what do the people need yeah focus on people yeah the humans at the center yeah and yeah. i mean i feel and i hope others do too because obviously i can only speak for myself um yeah i'm able to be outside the office and not think about the office which of course makes you want to think about the office right, right? so it's well, you're giving it's yourself space yes yeah. um yeah um to flip the script like that um 
you trust your team you trust the people that yeah yeah and I think that's a process too right yeah. I think the more we're in something the more we trust you know and uh, I will say that's not always been the case for me but that's sure. a you know that's a, oh my god if I don't like if I'm not in total control things are going to fall apart no yeah. and I remember I don't know at some point I heard something I don't know maybe it was from my CEO or someone else but it was like you can trust the process you don't have to be part of the process mm -hmm. of course that assumes there's a process um and there are processes so it, it worked out well um so it was just yeah I think we're you just grow up I think I think it's just growth like anything mm -hmm. I think it's your your statement earlier about longevity like mm -hmm. don't quit before you've reached going further like if you keep going mm -hmm. further you're gonna get more insight mm -hmm. on things and then if you're just gonna grow and be like okay oh I've worked with so-and-so for five years now and oh I'm gonna trust that they're gonna I'm not I don't have to worry about that anymore mm -hmm. right yeah. And I think that's in any relationship mm -hmm. or group of friends or companies or whatever it is, right? You just, you just have more time in mm -hmm. and you can start trusting, okay, I, this is what happens every day, you know, and now I know that it's going to happen every day unless something catastrophic happens. You know, so I can trust that this is going to be the way going forward. So then you can spend energy on creativity and innovation and all those good things, right? Um, yeah, and and solving problems you didn't know you had, right? Yeah. Meaning, you know, like, oh, well, why aren't men showing up to therapy? Um, you can start solving those things when you're not worried about just people coming in and having a good experience. And looking at how you can, because everybody needs something different. Like when you're talking about the different personalities of the of the therapists, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, we need a diverse personality of therapists in order to serve diverse people. Um, and then we need also diverse ways of bringing people into spaces of connection to not necessarily get therapy, but maybe get therapy like things like with the dudes and tacos right yeah therapeutic things mm -hmm. and frankly that's connection I am not a therapist yeah. and yeah. my life is infinitely better when I have authentic connections yeah. with people yeah. mm -hmm. and hang out with my friends and yeah. not just hang out but know they're there for me and right. I can be myself because yeah. if I have to dress it a certain way and, um, you know, act a certain way in front of people, that's going to make things worse for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so there are so many different ways that look like and therapy is just one of those ways. Mm -hmm. I think, um, and it's not the only way it's one of the ways, mm -hmm. um, to do those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think I personally think it's very valuable and, you know and I also don't want to be oh everyone should go to therapy because I don't know I, yeah. I'm not walking in your shoes I don't yeah, want to yeah, be yeah. that presumptuous yeah yeah that's good um yeah yeah so it it, it is it, it's fascinating though that you just learn so much about one thing like you just dive down this rabbit hole and learns I've learned so much about it and you know other things 
it reminds me when I was a lawyer, I worked for multiple people. So there might be multiple cases going on that I'm involved with varying degrees because they're different stages. So I may report to different people. Well, I had to like change how I wrote for different people. So each therapist has a different personality. Each lawyer has a personality or style. Um, yeah, we all, I mean, I will just say, I feel like success, one of the indicators of success for people, not just in work, I'm not talking about work, mm-hmm. is their ability to, to adapt to change mm-hmm. because it is never going to stop. We, we act like change is like, oh my gosh, there's going to be change. Mm-hmm. It, it should be the status quo that there's going to be change. Right, yeah. In our lives, in our relationships, in people who are around us, life and death, whatever. And yeah. somehow we've put it together as if change is the anomaly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, when it's the thing. Yeah. And... <laughs> So, yeah, I think that's, um, it's the constant. Yeah. And I, I just think that if we can adapt, be like, oh, okay, you know, it's non-attachment, right? It's like, okay, well that mm-hmm. happened and mm-hmm. let's, Hey, let's go with this or not go with it, but mm-hmm. you know, make a decision. We're so stuck with, well, this was happening. I don't want to change. I want it to go back. Well, it's not. Yeah. So how yeah. do we adapt to that? Like that happens with everybody and everything. So I, I feel like we've been taught really poorly how, how to navigate yeah. change. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, really, from being young, we have mm-hmm. been poor, you know, and every, the people before us have been taught poorly on that mm-hmm. philosophy. Um, yeah, my own therapist and I, because I go to therapy, because it is a natural part of life, and it's just such an interesting, also supportive emotional and intellectual exercise for me mm-hmm. you know it's like maintenance it's like mm-hmm. once a month and yep. we were talking about how we don't have to feel every emotion that we have mm-hmm. we don't have to like roll it over and go oh my god what is this horrible thing like you can just go past it like because mm-hmm. well, you know like when we feel something yeah. obviously if there's a negative circumstance and occurrence we have to react but everything doesn't have to be analyzed. Mm-hmm. You teach that in your yoga about thoughts. Yeah. The thoughts come in and out because that's what the mind does. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just, that, that's that's the way that the mind yeah. moves. I think yeah. that's what I when you're talking about feelings. That's how yeah. I, I pulled the the thing that I often say. Mm-hmm. I pulled it from hearing it somewhere else, so it's not my own. Um, but it's. Um, Imagine your mind as a blue sky and the thoughts, just clouds passing mm-hmm. by, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's image, which I think mm-hmm. directs people's focus, which I think that's the thing, one thing and one way to kind of get out of your own way is to direct your focus on some image that um, brings a little bit more ease that is soothing to you and so on because it's harder to it's harder to say I don't want to think about this thing Mm -hmm. than it is to refocus on a thing yes um I agree with that yeah yeah it's I I look at my analogy for myself is the a river right I'm Mm -hmm. I mean either a leaf or I'm in a kayak or whatever my thought current thought process is and 
you know, oh, it gets a little rocky and it's bad water and okay, well, I'm not going to stay there because the river's moving. Mm -hmm. So why are my thoughts still there? Because I'm no longer there, you know, so don't, you you don't jump out and like bang yourself against the rocks. (laughs) You're empowered. You have control. Yeah. Just. Yeah, and it's you a thought. A yeah. It's a thought. Yeah. It's not yeah. even thoughts just exist. They're not correct or incorrect. It's mm-hmm. just like a fleeting thing. And yeah. and so I that is like something because as a as a thinker and someone who's taught was trained to analyze things, of course, I analyze my own things. Mm-hmm. And at some point I just not that I don't, but I just stop doing it in an obsessive negative way because right. well it's yeah not solving anything yeah and I mean that that takes an epiphany or a realization that you're not solving anything just to go okay well let's just go with it okay this is happening mm-hmm. this change is happening this rocky area is happening and also I also realized too I, again speak from a place of privilege where I've been given the opportunity to learn these things and therapy costs money and learning costs money. Um, so there are people who don't have that opportunity and that's why nonprofits exist because yeah. we want to help people get the same opportunities um, mm-hmm. and other and people need help and you've got to meet them where they're at. I'm glad that you bring that up because um, I often think about that too, that that place of privilege that we're at, even to have this conversation, yeah. right? Like totally. um, we're not, obviously we're not worried about having a roof over our heads. Mm-hmm. We're not worried about where our next meal is going to come from, having clothing, all of that. And so there is a hierarchy of needs and to recognize that in other people, um, their they're not having these conversations, not because it's not necessarily important, but it's not their, it's not priority. Right. Yeah. And they could just as easily have these conversations and are just as worthy of these conversations. And they are focused on other priorities and it is our obligation, frankly, our moral obligation to help other people, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, yeah, there's a whole political argument and everything. And frankly, if we're, we just have, I, I personally think as humans, we have an obligation to help other people, mm-hmm. whether they're our friends, our family, strangers, whatever that looks like. We all do it differently mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be, you must do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's discerning how to help. Um, I think also what the boundaries look like around that help. Mm-hmm. Um, just always going back and thinking about Brene's, Brene Brown's boundaries and compassion. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have compassion without boundaries. Um, and it's different for every and single it, and person. And it looks different, yeah. yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. all have a different capacity to, to what giving looks like. Yes. Um, how much, how much energy, how much mental space can I give to this thing and to be okay with what that limit looks like. Yeah. I never want someone to look at what I do and go, oh my gosh, so that's the standard. Right. And that's yeah. why I have to do that to be considered compassion. No, you absolutely don't need to exactly. do that. Yeah. You can do whatever life looks like for you. And that's where I think 
you know, but again, all of our conversations are circular. Going back to social media, that's where it gets a little like we, I think we interpret things that were like, oh, well, if they're doing this, this means this is a standard. And so I must do it. You can, I don't want to, and they're wrong. And well, no, it's just, they're doing it. Yeah. You can look at it and, yeah. com and compare um, when sometimes the, the best thing that you can do in the space that you're at is maybe just like smile at someone passing by, right? Like a smile yeah. is huge. Exactly. Like, a smile can be bigger than giving a hundred dollars to someone, yeah. right? And it just depends on where you're at. Yeah. Y you being the general you. Yeah. 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 I like that as a place to close. Perfect. If you're good. Uh, if there's I, anything I else no. that you want to share. No, I, I think that's wonderful. Thank you for having thank me. You're really amazing. Human. So, yeah. So thank okay. you for sharing your story and your tools. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. A lot of fun. Thank you. And I, I don't think I was as nervous as I thought I would be. Yay! <laughs> Yay!